but we bet you'll like them. I'm back in the saddle again. Pop, pop, it's showtime. 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 Guess who's back again? Checking in from the right side of Acadiana. Seeking truth. I want the truth. Yes. Justice. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Yes. And a whole lot of freedom to have fun. Winning, winning, winning. Yes. Oh, behave. This is the Rush Report. To the Ross Report. So, yeah, we're going to get into some environmental news. Um, do you remember, you do remember um, Bob Livingston used to be a a congressman. And um, he is now, a well, former congressman and he's now a registered lobbyist, but he has no clients on either side of the windmill controversy. He just did a guest column in The Advocate. And he's asking the right question. I mean, what happens if you ask the right questions? Well, you get thrown out of a conference because nobody wants to hear. They don't want to hear you ask the right questions, and they certainly don't want to hear the right answers. These environmentalists are eaten up with stupidity. Nothing, nothing gets them to let loose of their dearly held but totally erroneous beliefs about climate change. Nothing. So there was a recent conference at the Port of New Orleans on the prospects of building windmills in the Gulf of Mexico. And, of course, they were all there to tout the sterling benefits, the advantages of green wind energy just off Louisiana's coastline in the Gulf. You remember we had... I think Harold Scheffler and a, a, a guy by the name of Shilstead, years ago, they were talking about this. I think they gave it up because, I don't know why they gave it up, but I heard that it went on the back burner or they stopped because there were so many questions about it. It's enormously expensive to build these things. And by the way, mostly built in China. But anyway, I digress. Leases have already been sold. And according to the article by Bob Livingston, if the projects proceed... A lot of money is going to be spent, and a lot of construction jobs will be created. But then what? Then what? So Mr. Livingston says, at the risk of being declared the skunk at the garden party, I caution the conference attendees, these projects may very well be shimmering fool's gold. He said, before I was given the hook, I was rushed through several problems. I rushed through several problems that could very well cause great regret long after it's too late. To reverse course. And he's absolutely right. Look at what's happening now. Automobile dealers, after being browbeaten into convert, I mean, car manufacturers be converting to electric vehicles. Look what's happening. They're sitting on the lot. Nobody wants them. They're not functional. They're, it, they're just too many 
negatives to having an electric vehicle. It doesn't do well in the cold. It doesn't do well in water. It doesn't do well in the heat. Uh, it can blow up in your garage. Uh, you know, you can't find a charging station. You can go maybe 300 miles and that's about it. And you're stuck in the middle of the desert with no charging station. It's, uh, there are just so many things about it. So, so why are they pushing it? Because it's all falling apart. So he has a, he has a perfectly legitimate point here. It all may look like the shiny stuff right now, but it could all be fool's gold before it's before too long. Look at what happened off the coast of New Jersey and New York when they were doing all that seismic testing and all the, the whales were, were, were washing up on the shore. And the environmentalists who would be screaming about the whales, well, they were curiously silent, weren't they? You know, whales versus, you know, protect the wildlife versus some green new scam. Oh, we got to go with the green new scam. Let's let, yeah, well, the, you know, the whales are a short-term casualty. It that, that was a disgusting display that so many environmentalists just let that go. So there are a lot of negatives about these wind turbines. Remember what happened in Texas two years ago, two winters ago? The wind turbines froze. Anyway, so consumers are choosing not to buy electric vehicles in spite of the the subsidies. Man, they're giving out subsidies like crazy and mandates. California, what do they tell them? By 2030, we're going to be all electric. Good luck with that, California. So the federal government may be in love with wind, but I don't think most Louisianans are. Offshore windmills, they are huge. Do you realize that these things are taller than the Washington Monument? Now, they can create they do create energy, but they need petroleum byproducts first of all to be built and secondly to be keep, to be kept running. They need lubrication to keep those big wind turbines running. But they create some energy, yeah. They can be struck by lightning. They can fall down of their own weight. We've seen them. We've seen pictures of wind turbines that just crumbled. How will they do in hurricanes? Not sure about that. They can, to some extent, replace fossil fuels. Nothing will replace fossil fuels for the foreseeable future. Can I repeat that for you? Nothing is going to replace fossil fuels for the foreseeable future. Okay, now that we got that out of the way. Every one of these edifices requires a serious infrastructure. Cranes, transformers, reactors, generators, high voltage switch switch gear. And as I mentioned, the lubrication, which is fossil fuel based most often. And it leaks, by the way, which poses another environmental problem out in the Gulf. I mean, it just, it goes on and on. Then we get to the part that really, really bothers me. And we've talked about it before on the program. How many birds are killed? Migrating birds coming up through the Gulf of Mexico. How many birds are killed? These windmill projects have permits in those very migratory locations. This could be a real killing field for birds, for eagles, condors, bats, other flying creatures. We have recreational 
and commercial fisheries along the coast, what will the windmills do to a fishing habitat? I mean, the noise, the vibration, how does that affect the marine habitat and the marine life in that area? Well, they, you know, they keep proposing restrictions on commercial fishing vessels. And you don't, you don't, because they would have uh, a deleterious effect on this, the, on the marine wildlife. They, they don't think windmills will have that kind of an effect. All of these things have a short-term benefit, but long-term, what is the cost long-term? Look what we're doing onshore. Taking out farmland, taking out forests, and putting in solar panels. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Solar panels that have a short shelf life. They have some poisonous materials in them, and it, and it is a, an environmental hazard to mine some of those materials. They come from China. They're going to have to be well, what what's going to happen when they're they're not usable anymore? They're going to go into a landfill? Yeah, probably so. Meanwhile, you're taking out some of the best scrubbers of carbon carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide in the environment, and that is trees, and that's greenery. Taking that out putting in solar panels. I mean, it's the most backward thinking I've ever seen in my life. We'll get we'll finish up with this article. We got to take a break. We'll be right back on the Ross report. Former Congressman Bob Livingston writes a great article here. Yeah. We'll be right back. To the Ross Report. Okay, so, so, <laughs> what of this? Yeah, the wind, the windmills. Yeah, I mean, short-term jobs. Yeah, that that's possible. But who's really going to benefit? <laughs> the massive blades and other parts are built in China. Government subsidies will be used to finance these expensive projects. But anybody remember Solyndra? Remember what happened there as they were going bankrupt? They got like what twenty million or no eight hundred million in loans from our government. Some of it was just a grant. Part of that was was an out, outright grant, and then they went bankrupt anyway. Evidently, it's all driven ideologically. It's all driven ideologically, and as Bob Livingston points out, inflation, supply chain disruptions, quality control, warranty liabilities, all of this, all of these have caused project delays all over the country and abandonment of a lot of these wind projects because billions of dollars have been lost, have been lost by even some of the major companies that have invested in wind, including BP, Siemens, and GE. Millions, billions lost. How, how long do you think that can go on? It's not sustainable. And here's the other thing. If it stops functioning, 
they have about a 25 year life cycle, according to Bob Livingston in this op ed that he did for the uh, Acadiana Advocate, for the Advocate. So, what happens if a single structure is abandoned for any reason, whether it's, uh, let's say it's a natural disaster, hurricane, lightning, um, financial problems, uh, structural damage, what? Uh, or maybe just the uh, 25 year life cycle is up. Who's going to tear it down? Or will it be like some of those old abandoned wells out in the Gulf left to rot of its own accord? Will the energy consumers and taxpayers have to pick up the tab for the removal of these behemoths? Bob Livingston was the only person at this conference at the Port of Orleans, Port of New Orleans. It was a conference that it was, the proposition was, we want to build these windmills. Now let's figure out all the things we got to say to build the windmills. And as Bob Livingston said, he was there trying to be, uh, trying to raise the issues, the real issues. And they got rid of him and shut him up as fast as they could. And as the uh, the note says at the bottom, he is a former Louisiana congressman. He is a registered lobbyist, but he has no clients on either side of the windmill controversy. And then, and then, how many birds do wind farm kill? wind farms kill? Lots, millions, maybe billions, including bald eagles. Yeah, they issued some 30-year permits. And the word is that uh, there's a website called Windmills Kill. Wind farms kill 10 to 20 times more birds than previously thought. Millions of birds annually are being killed by these wind farms. And again, remember, the Gulf is right there on that migration route for all the migratory birds to come across the Gulf of Mexico. And so, I mean, you can just go look it up. And there are some, you can tell the ones who are pro-green scam, and they're always, you know, well, cats kill more birds than windmills. I mean, come on. That's that's part of the natural order of things windmills are not part of the natural order of things um they said 90 percent of the casualties are outside uh, the typical search perimeter that they use to count how many birds are killed so they're figuring you're really talking about an unsustainable death toll of 30 million birds and maybe even more bats than that so, uh, terrific mortality of birds. Anyway. And remember, a lot of these birds, they control, uh, pests. They are pollinators. They control pests, forest pests, etc. Right? Insects and rodents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, anyway, it's, uh, it's not a pretty sight. I'm not in favor of wind turbines. I don't like them. We have natural gas, which is the cleanest burning fuel known to man. We have an ocean of it. We're floating on top of an ocean of it. And you have to question, Is can you think, okay, I have a little quiz for you on a Friday. Put your thinking cap on. Can you think of one policy that has been pushed by the Biden administration that you would consider good for this country? da, 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 da. da. Oh, you can't? No, neither can I. Because all of it, all of it is to cater to some constituency. 
because it's an election year. That's all they care about. They don't care about the numbers coming across the border. They care about the poll numbers. They don't care about the number of birds killed by wind turbines. They care about the poll numbers. They don't care about the number of jobs lost by the short-sighted policies of this administration. They care about the poll numbers. How about the kids who are being harmed by a transgender ideology that makes no sense at all? No, we don't care about those kids. We care about the poll numbers because it's an election year. So again, I ask you, can you name one policy that the Biden administration has pushed that has been good for Americans? Not Russia, not Ukraine, not the globalists, not the green scammers. Just one for average Americans. Because I tell you what, I can't think of it. If it's out there, I can't think of it. And then you see this, the other op-ed uh, by Mike Moncla, who's the uh, he's the head of the uh, he's the president of Louisiana Oil and Gas Association, and also William O'Neill. He is the president of the Louisiana Landowners Association, and property rights e- economy threatened by lawsuits over pipeline crossings. For decades, uh, LOGA, Louisiana Oil and Gas Association, and Louisiana Landowners Association have worked to ensure the fair and productive use of Louisiana's land and natural resources. They continue to work today, standing in opposition to lawsuits, more lawsuits that threaten to diminish private property rights, destroy thousands of jobs, and constrain the flow of natural gas to market. Hmm. The lawsuits were filed by Energy Transfer, which is a Texas-based midstream oil and gas company operating more than 120,000 miles of pipelines across 41 states, including 9,000 miles in Louisiana, to block pipeline crossings between the Haynesville Shale in northern parishes to the LNG facilities along the coast. Why do they want to block other pipeline companies? And these pipeline companies are poised to invest billions of dollars in new projects in Louisiana. So when Jeff Landry was attorney general, he filed a legal brief opposing their position and reaffirming that pipeline crossings, yeah, they're a necessary part of the transport of petrochemical products. And the litigation could really, really make it almost impossible to bring a lot of energy products to the market. Pipelines are the critical infrastructure. So uh, we hope... We hope this litigation goes nowhere because it really creates a significant restriction, as they say in the article, on the ability of Louisiana landowners to control their own property. Landowners, large and small, have granted rights to pipeline companies and receive income from the use of their land. Blocking these crossings, well, it takes private property rights away from the landowners and denies them the full use of their land and their ability to earn royalties. I hope this legislation goes nowhere, and I hope that our legislature, when they get back into regular session after this crime session coming up, which I'm glad to see they're doing, it's a pretty detailed call. We'll talk about that Monday. Pretty detailed call. But I hope, I do hope, that they find a legislative solution 
that will cut that will short circuit this kind of terrible litigation that really harms Louisianans. Glad Mike Moncla and William O'Neill wrote that op-ed to alert people to this. We have, you know, we have everywhere we turn, we have, we have continual war on property rights. We have to be vigilant. All right, we're going to take a break for the news. We'll be right back on this freaky, fabulous, fun. I'm running out of adjectives. I started out with what five or six freaky, I don't think I fabulous, six. fun, fantastic. <laughs> One, two, three. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Ross Report. Hey, Renee. How yes. are you? Welcome back. I want to, yeah, I want to present maybe a controversial concept. Uh-oh. Since we are all company state. All right. Well, you know you know how uh, big green Care Bear communist hippie, hippie, hypocrite energies out to get us to live the way they want us to live? Yep. But we're all state. And uh, it made me think, you know, and the government supports them, the media supports them. Uh, could it ever be possible that, like, Louisiana, Texas, Alabama, I don't know, South Dakota, Canada, <laughs> Trinidad, and Mexico possibly get together and make something like our version of OPEC hmm. for political power? and clout and to promote fossil fuel energy, maybe even downright have a, be another branch to OPEC or join OPEC against the Russians who have a big energy industry. Well, Just we, an idea. You know, we are a part of OPEC. You know that, huh? No, I had no idea we joined them. How did we join them? Well, I think we've been a part of them kind of for a long, as long as I can remember, we've been, we've been a part of them. Um... Uh, because we are an, uh, uh, a petroleum exporting country, you know, and then and then we're a member of the OECD, you know, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD. That's that's an international organization supposed to be sets policy to foster prosperity. Of course, <laughs> their idea of prosperity sometimes doesn't match ours, but we're, we are a part of OPEC. We just don't. Yeah. We just don't act like. I mean, uh, we have leadership right now that is stupid. They're stupid, Renee. There's only that's the only way uh, to put it. I want to put another another thing with that. Okay. When you look at the History Channel biography, Rockefeller was almost like a super villain. But I tell you what, if he was here, he definitely would make sure all business, unless he got he got traded in, like, I don't know, they make Elon Musk such a hero, but 
Elon Musk is for electric cars and how he does all kind of other great things. But Rockefeller, if somebody like Rockefeller be here, he'd be, I don't know, whipping everything into shape for fossil fuel and, and stuff that really works. Yeah, well, it it uh, it certainly worked for him, you know. Uh, in those back in those days, um, when America was just beginning, really just beginning, you had these industrialists. They were called the robber barons: Carnegie, Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, etc. Now, a lot of people, you know, put them down, but they had a lot to do with how this country grew and developed. They did. They did, they did some terrible things, no question about it. They were ruthless in a lot of ways, but they certainly did put this country on a track to being a leader in the world, uh, because, I mean, they were, and by the way, back then, not a lot of regulations on business. So they were able to get away with a lot. No question about that. Um, they, they were free, uh, unfettered by any kind of, uh, government oversight. They were monopolists, right? But man, I'll tell you what, they, they employed a lot of people. They did a lot of jobs. You know, it was the Gilded Age. It was the, um, late eight, 19th century, late 1800s. It was the Gilded Age. Anyway, so th- there's something to be said for either side of that. That is true. But, um, they were not angels, but they had, they had vision. And might I add one more thing? Yeah, go ahead, Brene. The problem with the environmentalists is some of the things they're pushing for does not work, and they're making hostile pushbacks from a lot of people and deterring their attention to real environmental concerns that are real environmental dangers. You bet. And, Renee, I was reading something in The Advocate today that that relates exactly to that. You know how they keep taking away um, lanes? They call it a road diet. And they, they cut down uh, four-lane roads down to two lanes, maybe with a turning lane or something like that. And they put us on what they call a road diet. And they, they have bike paths that nobody uses. I mean, <laughs> have you seen people using the bike paths? I mean, on Johnson Street, you're taking your life into your hands if you go down that bike path. I mean, you could get hit at any time, and a lot of people are. Uh, in uh, On Congress Street... Uh, now you have to narrow down to two lanes and it can be very dangerous because people don't, some people don't realize it and they get in that right lane and then they find out, uh oh, I'm in a bike path. So now I have to scooch over to the left. Well, guess what? They're getting ready to do it again. Streetscape project ready to pro- progress. Wider sidewalks and medians and they're going to take out some lanes for cars. People are addicted to their cars here. They, they don't even much like to ride public transportation. I don't see a heck of a lot of bikes. Maybe, maybe it's because we don't have safe bike lanes. I don't know, but we've had that Congress Street on a road diet for a long time, and I haven't seen many bikes there, and a few pedestrians, but not many. So now we're going to have another. We're going to spend a lot of money on another streetscape project. Let's see if this works. But Renee, we don't know. We don't know until they do it, and they spend a lot of money doing it. Then they, they even talk about an on-ramp to be built at St. John and Congress to move bicyclists off the roadway and onto an 8 to 10 foot wide share-use path for cyclists and pedestrians. Now, that's going to be interesting. 
We we can't get the I forty nine connector built, but we we can do bike paths and streetscape. You know. Oh, uh, no. I hate the guiding things with the cement because if you don't know where you're going and yeah. you happen to weave a little bit in the other lane, you got cement to contend to damage your truck and, and wreck into mm-hmm. like a, them off ramps in Baton Rouge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, anyway, you know, best laid plans. People have good intentions, but a lot of times they're not thinking far enough in advance to see how this could have an impact. We know they're going to spend a lot of money. It's already been introduced uh, at the city council meeting on February 6th, and they're going to it's going to be up for final approval February 20th. Um, Remember, in 2016, they did that. The five lane section of Congress was reduced to three lanes, and I hardly, I swear, I hardly ever see any bikes on there. And I, I use that thing every day. I go down that street every day to get to the station, and I almost never see bicycles. So we'll see who they're doing this stuff for. I don't know. Thank you, Renee. You have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks for the call. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, so another streetscape project. um uh, let's see another, this, this is going to be the next phase of it. This is, uh, between Evangeline Drive near University to St. John Street. And this again is going to be reduced to two lanes of traffic, one each way with a middle turning lane that will become a median. They're going to turn that into a median. I, I don't say, I mean, look, it's all well and good to want to do that, but I, I, hey, that, that bike lane on West Bay Parkway? When was, I don't see people using that at all. So here we go. All right, they want to they want to uh, make it safer for non motorized users. I guess that's pedestrians <laughs> and bicycles. We'll see what, how this shakes out. Uh, they're going to do it. They're absolutely is going to do it. So their point is: anything you build on the sides of the road contributes to slowing traffic down. And the medium will slow traffic down. And street trees will slow traffic down. Sidewalks, landscaping, it's all going to slow traffic down. Hmm. Okay. We'll see. Got to take a break. We'll be right back on the Ross Report. Don't go away. upon a child to God. He was eating a Jacques Boudreau, and I'll tell you what. He was having a... No, actually, that was me. That was me today. Was I did it. Yes. I did it, Tim, after I saw you and said hi, and we talked and we hugged and all that good stuff. Well, I went and sat down, and I got that Jacques Boudreau. I got it with the seasoned olive oil, and I want to tell you, I got the small one, but it was loaded, loaded with shrimp and crawfish and crab meat. It was so uh-huh. good. So yeah, good. We don't, we don't, we don't skip. We don't skip. Skipping is not our thing. So. No. I'm it, so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, it, it, it was, it was yeah. wonderful. Are you still doing gumbo? We are. We are. So, my guys, we don't have pizza. We have chicken and sausage. Yeah. Which is, which is great. Uh, 
God, hey, when will it stop? I said, when they stop buying it. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> we, we tend to run, you know, with, uh, last year's hot summer, we, we kind of uh, went dark on it three months. We just quit serving it at Dino's Pizza. Of course, at Prejean, it's always on the menu. Now, what kind of what kind of cheese is that? Is that a Fontina cheese that you do on the Jacques Boudreaux? Cause it's no, not, no, that's mozzarella. It is a mozzarella? little bit of Monterey Jack. Oh, okay, okay. The creamier, so that the bite on the, if you do straight mozzarella, the bite, you know, the cheese wants to string cheese, it wants to stretch, and it wants to come off of the pizza the first bite. You right. know? So if you put a little Monterey Jack, we find it makes it a little creamier and the bite. Oh, let me tell you, yeah. it, it really is spectacular. Anybody, you want to have a, a really good seafood pizza, this is it. This is it. The Jacques Boudot. I think it's right up there with my shrimp scampi pizza, too. That, that's go. another one that I love. All right, so what do we have coming up this weekend at Prejean's? Uh, we have the Michaud Brothers uh, on the Sunday brunch. Brunch is uh, fantabulous if you have not been. Bottomless mimosa. Oh, we've got five brunch yes. items that are amazing. At both locations, the patio will be open in Broussard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to right after Easter here. We're going to we're going to do some adult karaoke on Sunday, so we're going to we're going to figure that out. No uh, way! In uh, Sunday in Broussard, you're doing a go. Oh man, that's going to be. Yeah, uh, that- I mean, you get two bottomless mimosas, and, and, <laughs> and yeah, I think we'll. we'll- it's gonna be interesting. You know, they just they just get inspired. The spirit yeah. the spirits move them. <laughs> right. Know? Right. All and right. and, and the probably at the end of this month we'll have boiled crawfish in. Yeah, Again, I I, so. we can get them. I just I feel guilty of charging people forty dollars for three pounds. I don't I, yeah. I don't feel good about it. I don't yeah. feel good about it. So it's, we're just not gonna do it until we can get them a little more affordable. That's gonna shake out soon, uh, don't you think? Uh, it will. It, it's going to come down because they're just not. The, the guys are telling me they're not selling them. So yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, so the price yeah. has to come down. There you go. It has Supply to, it has and demand. demand. That's it what it's about. Right. All right, right, Tim. Thank you so much. And I'm telling you, that's a home run. That Jacques Boudreau. It's a home Don't run. Don't sleep on the crawfish fries. I know you didn't try it, or the uh, or the uh, crawfish roll either. So. Oh you have, no! You have to come back and try them next Friday. Well, you know, you I did the, the boudin egg rolls the last time. Crawfish boudin egg rolls. You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, 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 right. So yeah. they're back on the menu now, right? Yes, they are. All right, yes, good are. deal. I'll have to try that next time. A reason to go back. I'm t- there's always a reason to go back to oh, Dino's oh, and Prejean's. Thank you, Tim. Have Thanks, a great, have a have a great weekend. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, it's great. All right, so I have to. I do have to share some very poignant news with you. Many of you remember Catherine Herridge. It, it pained me to see her go to CBS. She was a great. Uh, reporter, she reported on all things Pentagon and et cetera, and she was a solid reporter at Fox. Well, she just got let go from. She went to CBS. Couldn't believe it. She went to CBS and just got laid off along with uh, about eight hundred people, eight hundred employees. You think mainstream media is going to wake up someday and figure out they're not serving their constituents, they're not serving their base, and. Uh, You know, 800 employees, this is Paramount Global, across various departments, and they let Catherine Herridge, who to me was their shining star, she's renowned for her investigative journalism, and her layoff, according to this story in the Washington Times, drew special attention because she's still involved in that legal battle that goes back to 2017 when she was with Fox because she blew the whistle on this Chinese-American scientist who lied on her immigration papers and had been in the Chinese military. And so Catherine Herridge would not give up her source. The judge, that she was still in this lawsuit 
So they said CBS was not happy about her still being in the lawsuit and the fact that she would not give up her source. And she was, um, I think she was held in contempt or something like that. Um, so, but she, she held steady. And so now they're laying her off. Meanwhile, their CEO rakes in about $32 million annually. There you go. That's, that's your mainstream media for you right there. Catherine Herridge was one of the good ones. I don't, I don't know. Maybe she'll get back to Fox. I don't know. She, she was a good one. And I respected her. And I'll tell you something else that pained me was to read that story of the young man, Jermaine Devine Britton, 40, of Bro Bridge. He was the one who was killed, pinned between two vehicles, injured when a drunk driver crashed into a line of parked cars, causing a chain reaction. And this was at 4.57. This was right at 5 o'clock Tuesday afternoon in the 1200 block of South Sterling Street. The driver, who is a 23-year-old Kaylee Rachel Tebow of Karen Crow, she struck a parked car, which caused that vehicle to push forward, hitting a pedestrian and pinning Mr. Britton between the second car and the third car. And then the third vehicle was shoved forward and struck a fourth vehicle. All of them, thank God, were unoccupied at the time of the crash. But unfortunately, Mr. Jermaine Britton was pinned between the two cars. He was only 40 years old. He was a truck driver. He was a husband of 13 years, a dad. His, she had three beautiful children, 15-year-old, 9-year-old, a 7-year-old, who've lost their dad because of a horrendous drunk driving accident he was walking with his family and his kids had to see his dad the dad hit of course he had lost so much blood by the time he got to the hospital this was a man who lived a beautiful life took care of his family and mentored a lot of kids who came out of broken homes etc he was like a father figure to the kids that he coached along with his good friend uh, Darian Carrier they both coached um, their, their sons. They became coaches for their sons' teams. By every account, this was a good, good man who died too young because of a drunk driver. And not only that, she had six kids in her car, none of whom were restrained by seatbelts. Six kids in her car, and she's driving drunk on Mardi Gras Day, and she kills a good man. They can't keep her in jail long enough, in my opinion. None of them were wearing seatbelts in her car. It's a miracle that none of those kids were killed. I tell you, people, it's so disturbing when you see something like that, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Mr. Jermaine Britton. God bless, Godspeed, Mr. Britton. All right, it's time for us to get out of here. We hope that you've enjoyed our musings on this fabulous, fabulous, incredible, wonderful Friday. Please be careful, everyone. Please drive safely. I love you guys. Go Cajuns. Bye-bye.
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the Republic for which it stands, One nation, under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God bless Donald J. Trump. In order to form a more perfect union, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America.